Hi everyone, I hope you are well and thank you so much for joining us on this week's instalment of the Inclusive Viewpoints. Today we are joined by the amazing Shante Harris, the co-founder of Women of Colour Collective in Sustainability. Now the collective's mission is to support women of colour and to help them with networking, job opportunities and resources all within the field of sustainability and the climate movement. And Laura and I were lucky to attend their first ever Resiliency Summit back in July 2020, so this year. And it was absolutely amazing bringing together leaders, change makers, just incredible people all focused on creating an inclusive and equitable future within the sustainability industry. So we'll stop there and we'll introduce Shante because she can tell it a million times better than us. So hi Shante, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so exciting to be here. And I um, know that you all had reached out to us, I think in the craziness of planning the summit. <laughs> so I appreciate <laughs> all of your patience and I'm happy that, yeah, we're finally really connecting and that you invited me to be here to talk a little bit about my experience. And then of course, Wuxis, which, you know, is, has just really grown in ways that we couldn't even fathom over the past several months. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the co-founder of Women of Color Collective and Sustainability. As Rachel mentioned, it really was founded to support uh, women of color who are looking to grow in the sustainability industry through meaningful connections, mentorship, um, job opportunities, and really just having the tools, I think, to bring their unique perspective to the sustainability industry. And it was born out of my own experience and my co-founder's own experience of oftentimes being, you know, the only woman, the only person of color in the room um, and knowing that, you know, climate justice is such a central point to how we build not only a strong sustainability industry, but actually solve for the climate crisis across the board, um, acknowledging that it disproportionately impacts frontline communities and communities of color. And so, uh, you know, we wanted to make sure that the women of color who either were already in this industry or who were interested in joining the industry really knew how to do so and, and not just join in terms of, you know, entry level positions, but be able to rise up the ranks, be able to have leadership roles and um, be able to call the shots ultimately. And so that's, that's really what we're building through Oxus. And it's been exciting to see it turn from kind of a New York based pro uh, passion project, excuse me, into the kind of a global community. And so we're still figuring out what that means, but we're excited about what's to come. Oh, it's been, and we were just saying, weren't we, before, it's been amazing to watch it grow, because I remember, like, following it right at the start, and the way you've grown and created, like, this special community, it's just been amazing to watch, so I'm just so excited for you and um, Jordi and the future of Wokesis, I think it's going to be absolutely amazing, so thanks again for joining us, Shanta. Um, so I guess you kind of covered it, but I thought if you wanted to expand a bit more, I guess, on Wokesis, you know, your story and how it started, a bit more detail, I think you touched on it then, but it'd be great to hear a bit more, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I think I mentioned kind of the personal experience, but um, just to give some more details to the actual start, um, I met Jordy, I think now maybe over three years ago, and we were um, attending an event during Climate Week, um, which viewers might be um, familiar with, but Climate Week is essentially, I think it's a global event actually, but it's based out of New York. And so um, a bunch of corporations, uh, industry leaders, companies, um, really people who are kind of leading the charge across the climate movement on uh, the business side, but also I think on the organizing kind of activist side as well, come together for the week and talk about how do we move the needle on the climate climate crisis and how do we do that in a way that is focused on cross or really focused on bringing together different sectors and and making sure that they have what they need to collaborate 
and Jordi and I were attending an event that was actually geared towards women. Um, I attended because I remember it was focused on kind of the future of fashion. And I, to be frank, I'm not really like, I haven't done a lot of work in kind of the fashion industry. And I know sustainable fashion is huge right now, rightfully so. And it's so amazing to see the innovative things happening there. But I was actually working with one of the largest fleet manufacturer of electric vehicles in the world that was looking to, or was at that time, uh, exploring how do they grow in the New York market. And so they were a client of my teams through my previous role. And I remember thinking, you know, fashion touches so many things, right? There's the supply chain, there's textiles, there's how, you know, how things move even just throughout New York state in terms of delivery. And I was really interested from that perspective of, you know, what policies, what initiatives, what incentives can be created to kind of think about all of the pieces throughout the fashion movement and not just, you know, hey, we're creating a sustainably, sustainably fashion made garment, which is super important. So I don't want to undermine that. But again, my, I, my expertise was really in kind of policy and business strategy and go to market strategy. Um, and so, yeah, I got there and it was an amazing event and there was actually a discussion around the adoption of electric vehicles within the fashion industry. Um, and I think there was a woman from the Rocky Mountain Institute also talking about their work. And so it was, it was one of the most comprehensive conversations I had seen. And I was really excited to be there. And at the same time, uh, Jordi and I looked around and we were the only, or maybe one of the only few women of color in the room. And um, I was mentioning earlier that I'm pretty smiley. I think I'm a pretty approachable person. And I smiled at her, she smiled back. And uh, we started talking about the work that we both do. And I would say after five minutes, we were good friends. Oh, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and then we, we stayed in touch. And so for me, it was how do I bring her into more of the, uh, the dinners, the events, all of the different things that my company was hosting. Um, so I'm not the only woman of color in the room, to be frank. And she, she was at that time sending out her own kind of bi-weekly updates to her community about what she was working on and inviting people here and there. And um, we really became a resource for one another and started attending the things that both of us were inviting each other to. And yeah, and that's, that's really where it started. And I'd say probably after a year, maybe a year and a half of doing that, we met up in South Street Seaport, which is located in Lower Manhattan. And um, we were asking, or we both had kind of done some research and we're like, hey, are there any groups specifically focused on women of color and kind of supporting that community? And we couldn't find anything. And so we looked at each other and she was like, what do you think if we, maybe we start something? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm open to it. I think the community piece is really important to me. Um, and so, yeah, we, I think we made an Instagram page. We made a Gmail. We were like, okay, we're gonna do this thing. And it really just happened like that. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love how you say, John, as soon as you met Jordi, you were like, how can I get her more involved? How can I invite her to things? I think that's really the essence of what your community is about, isn't it? Like sharing that, those opportunities, yeah. bringing people together. I love that. And I guess one of the reasons why we're obviously so excited to have you on as well, as I know, like you and across your community, you touch on so many different industries, like we were saying before, weren't we, about technology and obviously fashion and, you know, policy like so many different industries so we really wanted to kind of take this opportunity to actually um like your examples that you think are really good at kind of putting inclusivity at the heart so is there any like brands or you know leaders people in your community who you think have really shown examples of I guess inclusivity within their industry if that makes sense yeah for sure I mean there's so many people actually at our first event 
um, the first sort of happy hour event we hosted, which was a pretty funny story. We, we were like, we're going to host a pretty small happy hour event. Nobody really knows who we are. So we'll probably get like five to 10 people. So we convinced this pretty small venue in Manhattan, in Manhattan, in Midtown, which if you know anything about New York is very crowded, especially on a work day. <laughs> Um, to let us host our happy hour there. They didn't typically take reservations, but we were like, don't worry, it's gonna be like five to 10 people. And we <laughs> launched our first event and we had like over 40 RSVPs in the matter of a few days. And we were like, oh no, this is a problem. <laughs> Um, but you know, we still, we still, we, so we basically maxed out. We wouldn't, you know, we couldn't open it up to any more people, but I think that was really a big aha moment for us where we were like, wow, there's so many women of color who have been seeking a community like this. And, um, I think it just kind of showed a proof of concept, but also a need, uh, which is really what matters at the end of the day. Um, and at that first event, um, a woman who works with, um, um, Alexa, or excuse me, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, came and was like, hey, I heard about your event. We're so excited. The team, and we were kind of in awe. We were like, wow, how did her team find out about our event? We didn't do a lot of promotion, to be frank. We just, like, shared it on a couple of networks, maybe a few Slack groups, and um, yeah, we started talking about some of their initiatives and policy, right? And so one of her staffers um, is an incredible woman who handles a lot of her local climate initiatives in the districts that she represents here in New York City. Um, so I think there are like a lot of local leaders like that, that oftentimes don't get, I think, the appreciation, the exposure, the awareness that they deserve. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to start the collective, not just to highlight, you know, the all-stars, but also I think the people, or not, I shouldn't say the all-stars, but the all-stars that everyone knows. And then the additional, but we also wanted to highlight the additional all-stars that maybe a lot of people don't come across. Um, so that's one example. I think outside of that, you know, there are the larger names mm -hmm. um, like uh, Shie Bastida, who, you know, we met because we were part of uh, the climate action campaign commercial. Um, and Jordy and I showed up and kind of did some filming. And at that time, I, I don't think too many people knew who she was. Like, I know she was gaining traction, but I think when I followed her, she maybe had like a couple thousand followers. And I don't even know how many followers she has now. Um, <laughs> But she's a, I think, 18 year old. We had her speak at collect the Collective Resiliency Summit, um, and just watching her even like I think come into her own power and self over the past like several months since we launched Wokesis has been such an incredible like experience on our end as well. Um, I think outside of that, obviously, Dr. Ayanna Elizabeth, who is everywhere um, and, you know, was, was a part of co-authoring All We Can Save. Our dream is to have her involved with Collective Resiliency Summit next, Summit next year. But I think she's a person who not just doesn't just focus on policy, but also focuses on specific policy related to oceans. And so I think, like, our goal is really to ask the question, what are all of the different sectors and opportunities in the sustainability industry? And how do you highlight those, right? Um, and, and not just highlight them, but how do you make sure that the women of color who are doing the work get the resources and the exposure that they need and also the support? Um, another example, and then I'll stop here, is um, Jessica Matthews, who's an incredible Black woman who um, started a I think her first startup pretty young, like when she was around 19 or so, um, ha had just started at Harvard, I believe, and created a soccer ball that generated some sort of solar energy, uh, which I think is just, right, incredible. <laughs> I'll send you her link so you can learn more about her. But now she runs a company called Uncharted Power, and their entire mission is focused on 
how do you create renewable energy technologies for uh, communities? And she's doing incredible, incredible work based out of Harlem. Um, and yeah, we're hoping, I do know her team and we're hoping to kind of get her more involved in some of the future events that we do, uh, pending her availability. Cause as you can imagine, she's asked to speak all the time. Um, but yeah, I think those are some of the, the people that I feel like help, or I think that's, those are some of the people that kind of illustrate the vast uh, opportunities that exist in the sustainability industry. And we wanted to make sure that we represented that even through the Collective Resiliency Summit, being able to showcase, look at all of these incredible things that you can do in this space. And look at all of the amazing things that women of color are already doing in this space. Um, so yeah. I love that because I think as well like part of being inclusive is like you said like spotlighting people or giving people the opportunity who haven't had it before because I think sometimes when people launch things it can kind of you know go to people who have already had a lot of opportunities but like you said um kind of spotlighting people who hadn't had a chance taken on them before I think that's really like driving inclusivity forward so I think that's amazing you're doing that that's brilliant um so the next question we wanted to ask so it was more around I guess your examples of you Geordie and Woke Sis on how you've kind of created you know an inclusive industry and I know that one example which I love following was you launched the grants didn't you that you gave to um some of your communities so I'd love to hear more about those and then any other kind of um ideas you wanted to yeah. yeah, thank you for that question. You know, I think we are one of hopefully even more organizations that are forming to really move the needle in terms of building a movement that is inclusive and equitable um, and just. And so I think for us, we are really focused on the professional side of things. I think one of the reasons being is obviously we're creating a community for women of color, but I think outside of that our like the second biggest tier of our work is really ensuring that this profession that we know is in is um, going to continue to generate so much revenue, so many jobs, so many opportunities for people that communities that have historically been left behind don't get left behind, right? So that I'm not the only person working on climate tech and startups and technologies, but that I'm helping to create pathways for more women who come after me. Or honestly, Jessica Matthews is an example of someone who's created a, a pathway for me to be doing some of the work that I do now as well, right? And so um, all of that to say that I think that we are, again, one small piece of, I think, an entire ecosystem that is showing more and more commitment to that idea. When we started, to be frank, we didn't see as much. And I think in light of recent events and honestly how challenging 2020 has been for everyone, I think we're all asking the critical questions of what does that what does it look like to actually be intentional about committing to creating an industry that that allows for opportunities for everyone and i think i talk a lot about this so i'm going to take like a minute to just reiterate that for us it's or not i don't want to say just for us i think for me personally i've done a lot of i've had a lot of conversations about this idea that impact and roi right uh return on um investment are not mutually exclusive, that you can do both good and well and make money. And I think we're really at a point, a turning point where, especially in the sustainability industry, like that is that is kind of a core principle, right? Moving forward that we can create, create great jobs, make 
billions of money, right? And also have an amazing impact on the environment and people. But I think to have that impact that we really wanna see and to actually combat the climate crisis in a real way, we have to be intentional about who gets opportunity and who is involved in creating policies, initiatives, projects, and who gets to drive them and lead them. Um, but to your point around the fund, we launched the fund um, in partnership with a really good friend, Daphne uh, Sanchez, Daphne Rose Sanchez, who runs a consultancy uh, called Kinetic Community Consulting. Um, it's based out of, I believe, Queens, but she's a, a, a New Yorker as well. And she actually approached us and said, hey, what, what do you think about us doing some sort of grant uh, some, or creating some sort of grant to support women of color in the industry. And immediately we were like, yes, right? I mean, we know that COVID is also disproportionately impacting communities of color um, in the US, but I think across the globe. Um, and then we also saw that a number of, um, or the highest demographic that had lost jobs over the past several months were the Latinx and the black and the indigenous communities. And so, we said, you know what, what's the small thing that we can do? It feels small to us, but we know we're having a big impact on people um, to give to give back and to really give, you know, the type of support that I think they need. And like funding is always an issue, right? Revenue is always an issue, especially for communities. Um, so we launched the grant. We got, um, I think, over like 50 um, applications in a matter of two weeks. And uh, we from there chose, you know, our initial grant winners, and then we're able to actually add on two more grant winners. Um, but yeah, it was it was really great to see the collective resiliency fund launch, and even just getting the notes from the women of color who were selected, saying thank you so much. You're really impacting my business. It's been really hard. Like a couple of them had either been laid off or they were planning to launch something, and then COVID hit. Um, and they're not huge grants, but it's just a reminder that if you can do the smallest thing, like you should do it, right? Um, so yeah, that's the Collective Resiliency Fund. And we're actually going to be announcing the next round soon. So I'm excited to share that. Oh, I can't wait for that. I think as well, you know, like with the people it went to that, you know, they're going to return that to their community, like, you know, so many times over, like, you know, it's going like to, you know, a business that is sustainable and it's going to return, return, return over and over. Right. I think that's brilliant. I think that's such an important point as well, what you said around the, you know, link to investment and kind of impact, because I think we've heard so many times, mm -hmm. haven't we, like, people say like, oh, you'll make more money if, you know, you, you go for like a non-ethical factory, you hear all these awful things. And I think, like you said, we need to get rid of that idea that, you know, you make your money and then you think about giving back. Like it shouldn't be like that because you, you have such destruction along the way then. So thanks for raising that point. I think that's so important. Um, yeah. So I guess you kind of touched on this, but everyone always says it's a big question, but we wanted to ask, I guess, what does inclusivity mean to you? I guess, how would you summarize it? Yeah, I think inclusivity to me really means um, access in terms of what we do as a collective. But I think on kind of a larger scale, it means allowing people to use their innate skills and talents um, to their fullest potential without any barriers or discrimination or unnecessary challenges. Um, and so, you know, that's maybe not the kind of Webster dictionary definition, but that's what I think of when I think of inclusivity. Um, I think the reason why we have to talk about inclusivity is because historically, right, there are certain groups that have not 
despite, you know, wanting to do more, despite having the talent to do more and the skills to do more, literally being limited simply because of who, you know, who they are, how they were born, how they look, um, how they innately, you know, uh, present themselves in this society. And I just think that, you know, it's, I mean, it, it feels silly to still have to kind of have that conversation, but we're, that's unfortunately where we still are. Um, but yeah, when I think about inclusivity, it's like, we created a collective to spotlight women of color, not only so that they can build awareness, but so that people can see that, you know, that it's not a pipeline issue, which I think is oftentimes the, um, like, it, yes, it can be a pipeline issue, right? But a lot of times people just say it's a pipeline issue before they've actually done the due diligence of expanding their networks, doing more to get in front of different and diverse groups of people. And I think the easy, the easy out is oftentimes to say like, oh, well, we just can't find them or they're not out there. And, you know, we're building a database of, you know, at, at minimum 2000 plus women of color who either, you know, already work in the sustainability industry or have skills that they are applying to kind of transitioning or pivoting into this space. Um, and 2000, again, is low. I mean, we're, we're not even reaching, I think, the pinnacle of like the actual amount of women of color that exists globally that are doing this work. Um, and so it's just, you know, in 2020 and almost 2021, right? Like we have to move past this conversation of, oh, we just can't access them or we can't find them. And so that was one of the initial things that we wanted to tackle was like, if we create a list, if we create a database, if we create a Google group, if we create a LinkedIn group, they can't say, <laughs> people can't say that the, that the women aren't out there, right? That people of color aren't out there. Um, it's, it's now on you as a leader, as a corporation, as an organization to do the work to access this talent. And I don't, I'm always wary of making it like a shameful thing i don't think it's about like shaming people and i'm sure some people would disagree with me but hey like i think it's more it's more you are missing out on amazing talent and amazing skills and amazing resources because you're not doing enough to access the people that can really drive amazing things right and so um you know we see across the board and you know not to get all super technical but there's so many studies that show when you have diverse teams you create better products better outcomes um, across revenue across impact across so many things and so you know the sustainability is not industry is not exempt from that and so i think that's what excites me is saying hey imagine what we can do to solve a very pressing crisis right that is impacting the planet and people if we bring in more diverse voices not because they're a charity case or because it's just about doing good but because they actually have real value to bring to teams um and so i think we're pretty adamant about making sure that that's how we position ourselves and i'm sure you both were at collective resiliency some it's like how amazing were these women like these women who are doing such incredible stuff and so it's not hiring because hiring them because you want to meet a quota or you feel bad or you're you know like yes like create metrics like yes be intentional about it but know that like these women are in these positions and doing great work because they're good at what they do right <laughs> and they have the skills so yeah i i think that's kind of how we've thought about inclusion that's how i think about inclusion as a woman of color in the space as well
Yeah, I remember, I can't remember the author, but I think I saw it on LinkedIn, it was like investing in women or I guess investing, you know, in any minority group is not charity, it makes, you know, it's not, it makes business sense, like you're not doing people a favour, like one, it's obviously the right thing to do, but secondly, like you said, it's like a business case as well, I think that's such an important point, people think, oh, it's like, you know, you're helping people or, you know, it's charity and it's just like, you know, like you said, just stop thinking like that, definitely. Right. Yeah, right. I think, um, also I think we had um, Val, who's co-founder of Role Model Management, as like a previous viewpoint, um, and she runs like a modeling agency. She was saying that like, you know, if you can't find the pipeline, look somewhere else, like, you know, get on a different website, you know, get in a different thing. So I think that's so true. It's like that excuse is just not valid. So I think you've hit the nail on the head there, definitely. Um, so I guess the final two questions, I guess very similar um, to you and, you know, Geordie, like we really want to focus on action. So obviously it's really important to discuss the issue, but, you know, we want to actually turn that into action. So we wanted to ask, I guess, from your opinion, what do you think the fashion industry can be doing to be more inclusive? So, you know, it could be what could brands be doing, you know, um, designers, you know, anyone you can think of to really create a more inclusive fashion industry? Yeah, you know, I know we talked about this. I I um I did do some work in the fashion industry and kind of thinking about incentives for how I mean obviously New York is considered like one of the biggest fashion capitals of the world and we do have the garment district and Fifth Avenue and right all these really high luxury brands here. Um and so I think on my end taking it back to kind of my expertise is really thinking about policy and incentives. So I think one thing, you know, I think culture does drive business to do different things as well as policymakers. Um, but on the flip end, I think in addition to that, actually not on the flip side, is how can you as both a consumer, but also a voter, push businesses and decision makers at the government level. Um, I think what I was seeing and to kind of take it back to going to that event and climate during climate week was, oh wow, look at these leaders in the, the uh, not necessarily the states, they weren't necessarily in sustainable fashion actually, they were just kind of in fashion, um, but who are committed to figuring out sustainability. And they didn't have all the answers, but they knew like, you know, we want to be more cognizant of our supply chain and our textiles and our, um, how we, you know, how we actually carry product and materials throughout um, a state, right, in terms of transportation and mobility options. And I think that's where a light went off in my head where I was like, well, what does it look like for cities, states, governments to create incentives that expedite those processes? And so while I think we talk a lot about the consumer, right? Like what can you do, which is important. Yes, like we all can take actions every day. The reality is that the biggest change that needs to happen is at the corporate, the brand, the company level, right? I mean, if you look at cities, the number one carbon emission or the, the, number, uh, the number one cause of carbon emissions in cities are buildings, right? And, you know, a, the fashion industry has a lot of real estate here and they have a lot of buildings. So I think I oftentimes think outside of the box of just like, hey, what's what can one consumer do? But how can industries move? And how can we as individuals push industries to move? Because I think that's where we have the largest impact. So, you know, I think being involved in your community and one, knowing you're elected, telling you're elected that, you know, sustainable, not just sustainable fashion, but also the buildings that they operate, all of these things that are really important to uh, climate change and the climate crisis are things that you want them to create programs around and incentivize companies 
companies. Um, and then, of course, you know, as a consumer buying from brands and companies that actually represent your values, um, I think a big part of it, and I've, I've been talking a, a bit about this with um, amazing women in the space, is learning that you don't need to consume as much as you do. Like, I think that is one of our biggest, right, challenges here is convincing people that they can consume less, that it's not impossible, and making them think about, you know, what it actually goes into that thing that you're about to throw away, right? And that clothes, like that dress that you bought one time to wear to this event, and now you're throwing it away. Um, or you're just never gonna wear it again, right? And so how do we consume less? So I think there's the single person consumer side, which I focused a lot less on, but is important um, because I think it drives policy and business, as I said earlier. But really it's how do you push the people who have a lot more power and influence to pass policies. Um, and again, this goes for internal government agencies and elected officials, as well as companies to be committed to cutting their carbon emissions across the board. Again, supply chain, textiles, mobility, I think all of these things really matter. Um, and so, you know, don't, don't relieve yourself all of, of all responsibility as a consumer, but at the same time, understand that, you know, I, no matter how much I reduce my waste today, I, the real impact that we need to have are companies reducing the amount of waste that they create on a daily. Um, and that goes for the sustainability, uh, excuse me, the sustainable fashion industry for sure. Yeah, I really, I think I heard like, must have been last year, but I guess you know how companies, you know, report the financials, so like, you know, profit and loss, like asking companies to also report like at a policy level, a government level, like on the sustainability and the ethics. Mm -hmm. I think that's such an interesting concept. And I don't actually think, to be honest, I am really hopeful about sustainability and I think it's made a lot of progress. But I think for some companies, unless there is, you know, laws in place and policies in place, like they won't abide to it. Because like you said, of that kind of, you know, concept, that we hope we can get rid of but that um, profit over I guess you know sustainability and um, mm -hmm. so I think that would be quite interesting and I guess I like, also like B Corps as well I think that's a really yeah. you know interesting process and I think that's really important because I think I know like a few we'd love to be a B Corp mm -hmm. but I know like from people who have become a B Corp the process is you know very in-depth and you think yeah. about everything from start to finish and it, you know even if you don't meet the criteria yeah it gets you thinking about what you need to do like you said thinking about the manufacturing all the way through to delivery so I think yeah. that's such an important um yeah. point yeah and I think I just I just want to add that that's why you know I'm personally really excited about the Biden-Harris campaign right and just have leadership like I do think government is a key player here um, and you see that in New York State actually um, like Governor Cuomo even despite COVID is still uh, committed to pushing out a lot of funding for sustainability and so he you know he could have made the choice to say you know we don't have as much of a budget in light of COVID so we're not going to focus on the sustainability industry but I think again going back to understanding that that's where the jobs are that's where the revenue is that's how we create sustainable economies and so I think, you know, it is, it is really, I think a big, a big part of it is on government to not just say, Hey, businesses, you have to do this, but to also create pathways so that it incentivizes business to do, to do those things. Right. And so I think that's oftentimes what's missing in the conversation. Sometimes even policies will be passed, but then there's not a clear or not necessarily a clear, but I think enough of a roadmap to get businesses to where they need to go in order to meet those. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, that's so true. So I think, I guess, because we're at, like, obviously, a, we were, like, startup phase. So I guess we've been able to, obviously, because we wanted to, but we kind of had the agility to put the sustainability in place at the start. But I guess for bigger companies, they've kind of been unsustainable for so long. Like you said, where is the pathway? It can be done, but where is the pathway? So I think that's so important. Like you said, the support and incentivizing people is really important. And so I guess the final question, I think you probably already covered it, but um, I guess in terms of consumers, so I know you said, you know, challenge companies and, you know, the government and hold them accountable and, I guess, consume, you know, less and produce like less waste <laughs> yeah that's the right way around um, right. so I guess was there anything else you think we can be doing as consumers or would you say those two are the main yeah I mean I think obviously we're focused on supporting frontline communities communities of color and particularly in the industry I think a big part of it is asking if you're working well one if you're starting a company or a business asking yourself how are you going to be inclusive from the beginning how are you bringing in different voices how are you expanding your network and not just how are you doing that but then how do you plan to create a culture right where people's differences are celebrated and their their varying viewpoints are um, seen as an asset and treated as such mm -hmm. and so I think that on kind of a maybe individual level or business owner level is really important um, and then I think you know if you're working at a company or an organization and you're talking about the future of climate I honestly I don't care what industry is right I work in tech and investment and that's probably one of the least diverse <laughs> industries that we know about and so especially when it comes to climate tech um, and I think as a woman of color who's in the space, I would love to see more, you know, of my white peers, of my female peers, of those who don't look like me actually bringing up communities of color and frontline communities so that the burden's not just falling on me to do so. Understanding that that is like, we need everyone in this fight. And so, you know, excluding them doesn't get us where we need to go at the rate that we need to get there. Um, and so I think, again, from, you know, the inclusive point of view, how do you actually, or not even how do you, championing and committing to making sure that if you are the only, if you are noticing that there's a lack of diverse voices, that you speak up and you say something about it and that you not only bring them in, but allow them to lead. Um, and I know we're not going to get there tomorrow, but I think especially with sustainability, it's like we have to do that because we know it is just disproportionately impacting certain communities. And if we're not intentional about that, we're not going to solve the climate crisis. It just won't happen, right? And so um, I would add that because I think that's really important to the work that we do with Wokesis and then just also our values and mission. Yeah, I love that because I think it's something that a lot of people do, they're not a minority group or they don't share, you know, they don't look like someone else or don't have that experience. They think, oh, I can't do anything. You know, you think like, oh, someone else will do it. And I think just being, you know, basically an activist in your daily life is like something we can all do more of. So yeah, I think that's brilliant, Sham. So thank you. So that was all we had that we wanted mm -hmm. to ask. We learned so much, thanks so much, Sham. So we always love speaking to you. And I'm so excited for the launch of the next round of the grant. So we'd love to support that and we'll share that. So yeah, thank you so, so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, I'll add, obviously, you you both know this, but I guess for the viewers, um, if you are a woman of color in the space, feel free to join our LinkedIn group. Um, we also have a Google group. Um, and then we also send out a newsletter. Um, it's It was supposed to be bi-weekly, though it's been more monthly now. <laughs> we're trying to expand our team. So we're also looking for more volunteers. I know that I think you guys have a pretty, or your audience, I'm sure is different from ours being in the US. So if you live in the UK or really anywhere else and you're interested in getting involved, feel free to reach out to us. We do have a volunteer form and you can actually go to our website. So all this stuff is on there. So in case you're overwhelmed, you're like, I don't know where to go. 
we have everything up there. Um, but just wanted to name that we have the Google group, the LinkedIn group, uh, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we also have a LinkedIn that you can like. And then for allies, we're always looking for ways to um, kind of build partnerships, right? And bring you into this work as well as Rachel and um, you know the team knows. And so I think for us, it's really how do we make sure that we're, we don't want women of color to be the only one doing this work and having these conversations. So uh, if you want to get involved as well, feel free to reach out to us. We have a Medium publication that you can follow where we um, actually uh, publish different stories that women of color write and articles that they're interested in uh, collaborating on. Um, and yeah, lots to come in 2021, including memberships. Uh, we're working on an exciting tech platform that we want to scale. And if there are ways that you know you want to get involved, um, we're pretty reachable. So give us some time though, because it's still mostly Jordy and I. And <laughs> sometimes we it takes a little time for us to get back to folks, but um, we appreciate your patience and also your interest. And we're excited to keep building this community with everyone. Yeah, I was just I was just saying by like I will share all that on the page on social media. Awesome. But that's what I loved about the summit as well. Like you said, it was open to everybody and it was like about, you know, allies and like what can you do, you know, can everybody do? And I think that just sums up the incredible community. So thanks so much again, Shante, and I can't wait to share the interview and all the amazing resources so people can get involved. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you both. This was great. Well, see you soon. Bye. Bye.